Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rare Possessions Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Galetti, and with me is Jared Riddick, the archivist from Book of Mormon Central. Hello, hello. Hello, Still hello. With the cold. That's right. So, this episode, I guess, is going to be part two in our very loosely titled mini-series on uh, Joseph F. Smith's editor's table in uh, the improvement era. This one coming from the December 1901 edition. And uh, this one's entitled Redemption Beyond the Grave. This this is an interesting study for me, and so will be the next one because it's kind of a similar topic, the one we talk about next week. But mm-hmm. uh, this one's a, a bit of a mystery to me because we we seem to have something here that's that's being revealed or talked about. It's about 16, 17 years before DNC 138, which talks a little bit about these same themes. So that's that's a big jump of time. Um, what other things have you found historically that, that help indicate that this is something that the saints are thinking about? Well, one indication right off is the fact that a missionary wrote into this, and this would spawn the article, is that a missionary wanted to know what President Smith thought about this. Uh, also, we're coming right off the Spanish-American War. Uh, so death is on the minds of the American people. And there was some death in the Spanish-American War. We don't talk about it that much in schools anymore other than the explosion of the battleship Maine. But there was some it was it was it was rough, and you know you're you're kind of a American history buff, right? I mean, geek. You love, geek, geek, geek. All right, buff. Geek. You should have taken buff. History it's... trekkie is one way to put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, this it's it was it was not a good period, and the president had just been assassinated as well. Uh, William McKinley had just been killed. It's been my experience that the afterlife is kind of a curious mystery. Even when something is revealed, it seems to kind of fuel the fires of passion to want to know more things of what it'll be like in the next life. And and I assume we had many questions going into our mortal life as well, but because so far as we know, the next life is our eternal life. There seems to be this added pressure and a desire for understanding of what we're up against with this next life. But there does seem to be a lot of interest in this for a number of years, as we'll talk about on next week's episode as well. But there do seem to be a number of points that are made here regarding certain words interpretations of words in this article that have an impact on doctrinal interpretation. So what what maybe is an example of what, we, what we're talking about with that? I saw at the end, uh, he's quoting John 25, and says the word here implies more than the simple meaning of the word, that they who hear shall live. Uh, he goes, that evidently means they who hear and obey, and not those who simply hear. This, of course, he says, stands to reason. But it's like de- simple definitions like that, that sometimes if you're there's a difference between reading and studying the scriptures. I think this is an, uh, this article is a clear evidence of what happens when you study the scriptures and you realize, okay, words can mean multiple things. These can mean different things than what I think they mean. So President Smith is trying to help the saints hear better uh, than hear they were do. then. Yeah. <laughs> and there are other doctrinal implications that are laid out. And it almost kind of felt like a question and answer feel in this one. It's ironic because that's, yeah, that, that's what the editor's table kind of was. Yeah. Yeah, almost like a the troubleshooting portion of the handbook for the its day. Like a question would come up, and and this is how you fix it, or this is how you see it. One thing that struck me from this article, two things actually. This is obviously at this point he hasn't received the revelation yet, and the one thirty eight revelation. One thirty eight, and so this is clearly things he's worked out on his own through his own scripture study. Because he even makes the point, it is nowhere revealed that such as these will ever be forgiven. Although we are informed that this is speaking of sons of perdition, although we are informed that all of God's judgments are not given unto men. So clearly he's still speaking from uh, personal thoughts here. Yeah. And then, too, he spins a bit at the end 
just talking about Work for the Dead. And uh, there's some differences there. We think Work for the Dead, uh, Baptisms for the Dead are fairly simple. So are confirmations. The endowment was much, much different for the dead at this point because the endowment ceremony was still incredibly long, up to six to nine hours long. So we can people complain now. <laughs> um, imagine it then. And so he makes the point that you should only maybe only do work for people who you know will accept it, which is a completely different view from the way we have today. Maybe he's thinking we only have – this takes a while to do, and the requirements for, to submit a name were much more stringent. Uh, now you really only need to have like a name and an estimated birth year, estimated death year, or it'd be like 110 years yeah. afterwards. It was much, much more strict. Even up until recently, it was went only to the 1960s or 70s when things got loosened up a little bit towards submission of names. Uh, my grandmother couldn't submit names because she didn't have the exact birthplace, the exact death place, burial, the entire thing. She needed everything to submit something. And this was for somebody that was just beyond living memory for her. It was only her third great-grandfather. And so only. But <laughs> uh, Work for the Dead and has changed. Not changed. Evolved. Evolved over the years as... Technology has evolved, has simplified the process of finding names. There's a lot of interesting things here. Yeah. And it makes you connect the worlds a little bit better, going, okay, this is what he was thinking about when he was thinking of temple work as opposed to what we're thinking about when we hear temple work. And they had fewer temples, too. I mean, we're talking— 1901, you got like ooh, three or four. I mean, Salt, Lake's, Salt Lake was in the last 10 years of, the, of this point. Yeah. They had Manti and St. George and Salt Lake, and that was probably about it. So we're— we're dealing with a, a limited number of space and time to get the work done. Yeah. They're only doing uh, like two sessions a day. So, yeah. So it, it becomes a, a bigger issue. And I can appreciate where he's coming from in a practical sense. Uh, obviously, he wasn't saying that only those people will get it. As yeah. Per- and even, even self-corrects a bit. He's like, he's like, well, just, he's like, just do it, but be mindful at yeah. the end. So, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this redemption beyond the grave. Uh, this again, a short piece. Editor's table in the back. Was it in the back or the front? It was towards the back. Okay, yeah, I thought so. In the back of the Improvement Era, December 1901 issue from President Joseph F. Smith. Editor's table, Redemption Beyond the Grave, by Joseph F. Smith, in the December 1901 Improvement Era. A missionary writing to the editor of the ERA is troubled upon this subject and asks to have their matter explained. He refers to 2 Nephi chapter 9 verses 27 through 38 and Alma chapter 11 verses 40 and 41, which passages appear to give him the impression that there is no redemption beyond the grave. Let me say in explanation that Alma is evidently speaking to those who have received a knowledge of the gospel or the plan of salvation as would appear by the 27th verse of the ninth chapter of 2 Nephi. But woe unto him that has the law given, yea, that has all the commandments of God like unto us, and that transgresseth them, and that wasteth the days of his probation, for awful is his state. Now it is evident that such as these have no chance for redemption, no matter what may be done for them in hope or by faith, for they will have sinned against light and knowledge, and are therefore worthy of damnation. It is nowhere revealed that such as these will ever be forgiven, although we are informed that all of God's judgments are not given unto men. As in Alma, the prophet is speaking of the world, as it should be found at the coming of Christ. 
The people at that time were all without a knowledge of Christ and the plan of redemption, and Christ is to take upon him the transgressions only of those who believe on his name, and believing, of course, repent and do the works that he commands. And these are they that shall have eternal life, and salvation cometh to none else. Now this means that there is no other means of salvation revealed or given to the children of men except that offered by the Son of God, and those who reject this, whether before or after they have received it in part, cannot be saved, because they rejected the means of their redemption and salvation. Not so with those to whom Christ went to preach when his body lay in the tomb. They were disobedient to the message of Noah, which was a warning to them to repent, or they should be destroyed by a flood. We are not told to what extent the gospel of Christ, in its fullness, was proclaimed to them, but are left to suppose that the message of Noah was not the fullness of the gospel, but a cry of repentance from sin, that they might escape destruction by the flood. They hardened their hearts against Noah's message and would not receive it, and were punished for this disobedience in their destruction by the flood, thus, in part, paying the penalty for their disobedience, but not having received the light, they could not be condemned as those spoken of in the ninth chapter of Nephi, who had all the commandments of God given unto them. Therefore Jesus went to preach to their spirits in prison and proclaimed liberty and deliverance to them through their obedience in the spirit world that the work might be done for them in the flesh, and they be judged according to men in the flesh and live according to God in the spirit, so that there is no conflict in these scriptures. Of course, there is a difference between those who receive the light of the gospel and the testimony of Jesus Christ and after rebel against that light and reject it, thereby putting Christ to an open shame and crucifying him again, and those who are referred to by Alma. Therefore the wicked remain as though there had been no redemption made. These are not under a great condemnation as those who have received it and rejected it, but so long as they remain unrepentant and wicked, there is no redemption for them, any more than for the others. But it is possible that these may repent in the spirit world. In relation to the deliverance of spirits from their prison house, of course, we believe that they can only be done after the gospel has been preached to them in the Spirit, and they have accepted the same, and the work necessary to their redemption by the living be done for them. That this work may be hastened so that all who believe in the spirit world may receive the benefit of deliverance, it is revealed that the great work of the millennium shall be the work in the temples for the redemption of the dead, and then we hope to enjoy the benefits of revelation through the Urim and Thummim, or by such means as the Lord may reveal concerning those for whom the work shall be done, so that we may not work by chance or by faith alone, without knowledge, but with the actual knowledge revealed unto us. It stands to reason that while the gospel may be preached unto all, the good and the bad, or rather those who would repent and those who would not repent in the spirit world, the same as it is here, redemption will only come to those who repent and obey. There is no doubt great leniency given to people who are anxious to do the work for their dead, and in some instances, very unworthy people may have the work done for them. It does not follow, however, that they will receive any benefit therefrom. And the correct thing is to do the work only for those of whom we have the testimony that they will receive it. However, we are disposed to give the benefit of the doubt to the dead, as it is better to do the work for many who are unworthy than to neglect one who is worthy. Now we know in part and see in part, but we steadfastly look forward to the time when that which is perfect will come. We are left largely to our own agency here, to exercise our own intelligence and to receive all the light that is revealed 
so far as we are capable of receiving it, and only those who seek the light and desire it are likely to find it. With reference to John chapter 5, verse 25, the word hear implies more than the simple meaning of the word, and they who hear shall live. That evidently means they who hear and obey, and not those who simply hear this, of course, stands to reason. Thank you for listening to the Editor's Table, Redemption Beyond the Grave by Joseph F. Smith in the December 1901 Improvement Era. Please stay tuned next week for another edition of the Rare Possessions Podcast from Book of Mormon Central.